Hello, Tiger Nation. I am Byron Hulsey, headmaster at Woodbury Forest School, and I would like to welcome you to the Woodbury podcast series. This podcast consists of informal yet substantive conversations with alumni, faculty, staff, and students. The conversations explore how Woodbury's core values empowered alumni to build a solid foundation for their lives, how those core values are taught today by Woodbury teachers, and how those values are put into practice by today's students. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Well, good morning and welcome to the Woodbury Podcast. Today, we are fortunate to be joined by Lisa Wright, who teaches music at Woodbury. She's a star on our faculty, and we're excited to get her perspective on what it has been like to to be at Woodbury, to be part of the Woodbury community. I have always enjoyed our conversations and been super impressed, Lisa, with your work at Woodbury. So thanks for joining the show. Thank you. Let's start with uh, you telling us a little bit about you and your your life, your journey, where you came from, how you grew up, ultimately how you came to Woodbury, and maybe a little bit about why you've stayed. So take your time and just kind of walk us through your own little biography. Oh, sure. I grew up in Harrisonburg, Virginia, which is about an hour away from here. My parents are musicians, and my dad was the orchestra director at James Madison University, and my mom was a music ed professor at Eastern Mennonite University. So I've been in this area for a long time. I grew up there and practiced really hard and went to Interlochen in the summers and went off to music school in, at Eastman School of Music in Rochester, New York, and promptly moved to New York City at, upon graduation. What, was your, what were your instruments as a, as a young, younger child? Just, just cello. Just yeah. cello, the whole time. Well, I play piano too, because that's a requirement. Uh-huh. And you, you can't graduate from conservatory without playing piano, but I played piano first and then added cello. When you play professionally, it's really only one instrument. Right. I tried when I was four to play cello, because that's a good time to start, age mm-hmm. four or five. This will not surprise you. I couldn't sit still. Yeah. <laughs> they decided to wait a few years so I could learn to sit still a little bit better. So. What were the instruments of choice for your parents? Um, my mother was a pianist. My father um, played oboe and really bad viola. He, he loved the viola, and it was a second instrument to him later in life. And it was not good, but he really loved to try. <laughs> okay, so tell me a little bit more about what it's like to go to, to school at a conservatory. Um, and where did you go, and how did that happen? I went to Eastman School of Music in Rochester, New York. Okay. It's part of University of Rochester. And my journey was a little bit circular because I had thought I wanted to be a doctor. Then I won a couple competitions playing the cello, and I thought, hmm, I really like this. So when I was applying to music schools, I applied to all music schools that were associated with really good universities. Mm. So my choices were University of Michigan, which has a phenomenal school of music, um, Northwestern University, also a phenomenal school of music, and University of Rochester, which has Eastman School of Music. And Eastman was my reach, so I never thought I would get in. So I actually played a really good audition because I wasn't nervous. Because <laughs> mm. I thought I was, I was in the other two, and I thought, well, why not? Mm-hmm. And um, so that's where I ended up. But music conservatory is different because you have to play at a certain level. You also have to be a good enough student to have gotten into those universities without that. Right. You have to audition, and usually it's best to audition live. So after you get the applications in, you have to travel around and perform to all these places. So it's a very intense process. Yeah. And then once you get there, it's intense because you have to practice several hours a day. You have lots and lots of rehearsals, plus you have your regular gen ed requirements. So it's a lot of work. So being academically lazy is not a great idea because you have a lot of work to keep up with. 
Are these auditions blind? No. So they can see you the whole mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of need to at H that stage. That, uh -huh. Because I used to be an admissions director for a conservatory in New York City. You have to see if they have a performance persona. What does that mean, a perform performance persona? That you can come out on stage and take command. Uh -huh. It's the it factor. They have to see if you can present yourself. True story, one time in vocal auditions at Manus College of Music, which is part of the new school, that, that's where I used to be admissions director. I sat with a vocal teacher and we made bets based on how the student walked up to the stage, whether they'd be admitted or really? not. And we were 100%, just based on the way they presented themselves. That's a factor. Yeah, sounds like a huge Because if factor. you can play well, but you act like you're about to die on stage or you're really uncomfortable, you know. No one wants to look at you. Well, you can work with that, but it's also learning to play a music instrument is a long learning curve. And if by the time you're 18, you haven't really figured that out, there's some work to be done, right? And then, then you have to figure that out from there. That gets you through the conservatory, through yeah. your education. So what happens after that for you? Well, at that time, I was struggling with, you know, whether I go on to grad school, what do I do? Money was a factor. And sure. I moved to New York City and I took a job at Manus College of Music being what was called Director of Public Information, which was really Assistant Director of Development. And then I did all the PR, like all the press releases and everything for the school. And I did that for a while and then I kept getting promoted to Assistant Dean. It was kind of like a Dean of Students position mm -hmm. and then Director of Admissions. And then I loved all that, but I wasn't getting enough time to play the cello and I was getting a lot of good work. Like I was starting to get called by really good orchestras. so. I quit that and started playing the cello and teaching cello full time instead of administrating. And what so. was that transition like? Loved it. Yeah. Loved it. In New York City? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I loved it. I was fortunate enough, my sister's a violinist, and so she also is in, still is in New York City. I was fortunate enough that we got to work together a lot, which oh, was really great. wonderful. Yeah. And I, to this day, I miss that, and uh -huh. I miss that whole backstage at the symphony with your friends stuff. I miss that a lot. I've done a lot of it in Virginia, but less of it now that I'm here at Woodbury. Mm -hmm. Okay, so keep keep pulling the okay. thread here. So what happens after that? <laughs> well, to be quite frank, I was not particularly happy in New York City for a lot of different reasons. And my mother was ill, so I came home temporarily to take care of her and then ended up staying um, mm -hmm. even after she passed. And I was married for a while with four stepchildren at home. And the Woodbury job came open and I was interested because I love to teach and I thought, well, this would be a way for me not to be gone all weekend because I was I would leave for weeks at a time from home to go play an opera or something, come back. And it's very hard to do with a family. Yeah. So I started working here and I was lucky Paul Kim was your string teacher sort of before me. And he is a dear friend. In fact, still is a dear friend. We're in regular communication. And I talked to him about it and I knew about Woodbury because I grew up in Harrisonburg, I always knew somebody who was going to Woodbury. I knew a lot about the school already. So I came here and even when my life circumstances changed at home, I kind of fell in love with the kids. So here I am 14 years later, which it was supposed to be like a three to five year job. You're stuck with me, Byron. <laughs> well, we love being stuck with you, Lisa. Yeah. You're awesome uh, here at Woodbury. Tell, tell the listeners a little bit about what you do at Woodbury. Well, I teach strings, so specifically violin, viola, cello, and double bass. You know, different pedagogy from wind instruments, and so you do need a specialist. It's hard to, you know, some schools do it, have one person teach all, but that's really more of an exploratory situation and not anything real specific. So I teach those instruments. I have a beginning string class, 
and I teach private lessons for bass and cello, and then I have an adjunct violin teacher to come in and teach violin and viola, which I can help with at the beginning stages. But for example, we have fortunately a bunch of strong upper string players here right now, like Leo Kim, Charlie Gillespie, where I need a more advanced violinist to be teaching them because yeah. I can't really do that at that point. Right. So, And then we have string ensemble, which is our, I joke around calling it the big boy ensemble, which once you've been in beginning strings, you move up into that right. ensemble. And how many people are in the strings and string ensemble now? String ensemble is 37, I believe, and yeah. beginning strings is nine. So we're down a little bit. I had to cap beginning strings because last year we had 14 in that, and it was just too many. They were great yeah. kids, and they worked really hard, but I felt like we had to move pretty slowly because it was just too many bodies to go around and fixing their arms and this and that. So we have nine in beginning strings this year, and they are amazing. They are the strongest group I've ever had really? at the school in beginning strings. Yeah. They've all had a little bit of experience musically, so that yeah. helps a lot. Right. And most of them already read music to mm -hmm. some extent. Right. So they've taken off like a shot. They are... They are great. I'm so proud of them. Okay, so this is an open-ended philosophical question. Okay. Answer it however you like. I'm sure there's a lot of texture here. What are the pros and cons of being at Woodbury, mm -hmm. given how busy these boys are, how involved they are mm -hmm. in so many different areas of life, and you are a professional musician who cares deeply about quality and about excellence and about you know achieving at the highest possible level. And sometimes on occasion, a boy might get close to that, but it's probably here at Woodbury a little fleeting, even in the best of times, because he's so demanded elsewhere. Tell us a little bit about yeah. that dynamic as you kind of live with it here yeah. at Woodbury. Well, we, we do have some kids who play very seriously. And we have a wonderful string quartet right now with Leo Kim, Leo Wang, Nate Stein, and Dan Chen. All of them play really well. And we that's almost a freak of nature here at Woodbury because we don't often get kids that play at that level that come here. Usually if you're 13 or 14 and you're really serious about playing the cello, you're not coming to Woodbury because you you know that you've got to practice three hours a day. If you really want to be a musician, this might not be the best place for well, you. Well, it's probably not. If you want to specialize right. in anything, Woodbury may not be a great place for you. Right. Yeah. Well, remember we had our student Wenbo a few yeah. years ago, and I we yeah. and I, I was just like, if you really want to do this, and he followed in my footsteps. He went to Interlochen and then yeah. to Eastman, and we are still in touch. Good. And he's, he's great. The good news is, here at Woodbury, is I say this to the kids all the time, that we're not going to play super high-level music. So I'm not going to give you a really hard symphony to play, but we're going to play something simpler, but we're going to do it really well. Mm -hmm. We're going to do all the details. You're going to be on the right bow. You're going to do all the proper dynamics. You're going to play this with an appropriate style. You're going to learn how to play something simpler, but really thoroughly. Mm -hmm. And that's what I try to do here. So that's your philosophy. Yes. I'd rather than play something, this sounds derogatory, it's not, but something more on a middle school level, but play the snot out of it. Yeah. Then play something on a high school level and struggle. That's Why, not fun how, for anybody. Yeah, how have you gotten to that place where that's, that's like your go-to? Well, I'm goal. a little bit that way in my private lesson too, is I don't ever let one of my private students, like outside of school, because I teach privately at home as well, I would never put them in a performance situation where they don't have, they're not set up for real success. Mm -hmm. Because that's so damaging to put a 
anybody in front of an audience and have them struggle and not feel prepared. It's a fine balance between pushing somebody and right. saying, let's get to the next level. And then it's absolutely demoralizing to be put in a situation. I, and I had been as a student, been given music that might've been too hard for me and said, you've got to do this and crashed and burned. And I would never, ever want to do that to a student. I want them to feel 100% prepared, especially at the beginning stages. And as they get more conditioned to performing, then that's when you start pushing a little bit further and further and further. So you feel like here at Woodbury, on occasion, like with this quartet that you've already uh -huh. mentioned, you can get there with some of those boys? I can push them. Yeah, I can push them. And they, they want to be pushed, mm -hmm. right? That's another factor is that, and, but I'm also very respectful of they're all applying to very competitive colleges right now. And I yeah. always, they're very consumed with that. And I try to let them have some agency and pick and choose what they're going to play for a little bit. I'll push ahead once they have some of that behind them. We'll push ahead to some harder things. So I'm guessing here at Woodbury for you, one of the one of the pieces of, of being effective is knowing what are the boys dealing with outside of music. Oh, well, 100%. And just kind of understanding the flow and the dynamic and the rhythm and routine of the year. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I, I came to Woodbury very experienced as a teacher in as mostly a private teacher, but in the music conservatory level. And also, for example, in New York City, I did an outreach program for Lincoln Center through an Annenberg grant and taught in public school. So I had a lot of background and I've always kept a very full private studio. So I, I know what high schoolers are going through, whether they're at Woodbury or Harrisonburg High School, they've yeah. got sports, they've got debate team, they've got right. cello lessons. I have a boy right now who's cross country, lacrosse, cello and trombone. Mm. And he's successful in all of those. Wow. But I think he spends all day in the minivan being taken all these places. And that's an advantage of being at Woodbury where he could, you know, some of these kids who are interested in so many things can actually try them here without the logistical problems of having to be driven to the other county for youth orchestra. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's say a little bit more about that. So you can come, a boy comes to Woodbury mm -hmm. and maybe it's not a great place for him to specialize in one particular area that he's right. excited about. You know, like yeah. he, this is not a science school. It's not an art school, right. not a music school, but it is a school for the well-rounded yes. generalist who wants to be as good as he can be in certain areas yes. without sacrificing other areas. Right. So help me understand like why Woodbury works for that boy. I think because everything is on campus and we try really hard to have in the music department, our adjunct faculty are really highly qualified, you know, so they're getting experiences working with top level teachers and they have a taste of what it'd be like if they got really serious. The expectation is that we're here to help you and get, do the best you can here, but you can still, you know, once the bell rings, you can still go down, down the hill and play soccer and not have to cut off part of your soccer practice to get to your cello lesson. You know what I mean? Yeah, like so, yeah. we, we can make that happen. Former student William Bledsoe is a great example, you know, yeah. super interested in sciences, mm -hmm. great soccer player, right. <laughs> great mountain biker, terrific cellist. He's playing, he's at Haverford now and playing in their college orchestra. Oh, we good for him. we yep. prepared over the summer and it was a lot harder music than he expected. And I said, well, did you think I was joking about what the level would be? He's like, no, I just, it was just a whole new, I realized that, oh, wow, I'm going to have to work to keep up. But yeah. he wanted to keep going, not because he wants to be a professional cellist, but because it's part of his life. He loves to do it. So that's the kind of kid that I think really succeeds here is that they want to keep playing. They want to keep exploring. 
and they're able to do lots of different things here, which I think that would be hard in a regular high school to be able to get to play an orchestra, play the cello, do all the things that you're doing. Something sometimes has to go. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Less time commuting here at Woodbury, it feels like. Yes. Yeah, it's one yes. of the benefits. Yes. What is a, what's a really good day for you at Woodbury? What does that look like? When you have a great day, what does that look like? I really love it when rehearsals go well. Mm-hmm. I really love it when, it's, it's funny, is when we get closer to performance and the students realize that the chips are down, like they've got to buckle down and get this ready. I love the look of concentration. I don't care if it doesn't sound very good sometimes. I mean, that's not really the goal, but I really love it. The best days are at Woodbury are when at the beginning of rehearsal, something sounds like a mess. And at the end, it's come together and you can see on their faces that they realize that it. they all know it. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, to me, that's the biggest high ever is mm -hmm. to see the looks on their faces. Like they walk out kind of nodding like, yeah, that sounds a whole lot better. And they can they can hear it. Yeah. And to me, that's the intoxicating thing about working here. And I do think the all boy environment is helpful for them because they are willing to take chances and willing to make fools of themselves, even in orchestra. I'll say, I'll say to them, play this so loud that I have to tell you to knock it off, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And they'll just like, oh, you know, really get into it. And I think this place has a wonderful way of giving boys permission to go the go to the ends earth to try something mm -hmm. and then they can figure it out. And with a sense of humor, of course, yeah. they often find when I say something like that, that I don't tell them to shut up. And they're like, I said, yeah, now that sounds a whole lot better. Mm -hmm. And then they get it. Mm -hmm. So that sort of wash over the orchestra of oh, I get it, is to me the most intoxicating thing in the best days. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I've been so impressed with your ability to get to know the boys a little differently than they may be known in like history class, which mm -hmm. I teach, or chemistry, or even on the soccer field. Tell me a little bit about how your approach, your classroom, your program reveals the boys to you in ways that they may not be revealed to the rest of us all the time. I think for all of, I can speak to all of the music faculty, is that, you know, a great deal of what we do is learning how to express yourself and be expressive. Yeah. So you have to make them a little uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes they are, any student, uh, male or female, they're uncomfortable in their teenage years, sometimes with beauty, you know, that it's like, ooh, you know, let's not get emotional here, right? Um, you are a little anxious to get too close to beauty. Yeah. Talking about those things. The private lesson program is huge. You mm -hmm. get to know them. I can't tell you how many kids over the years that I stay in touch with because of getting to know them in those lessons. Mm -hmm. Even students outside of Woodbury. So that's sure. a really special relationship. Yeah. Because sometimes a cello lesson is not just a cello lesson. It's something else. And it's another, it's a trusted adult in their life that's a master at what they do, that they've become close to. And I think that's a really important relationship for particularly teenagers to have somebody besides their parents that they really trust. And you spend an hour a week alone with these people. And we have that here with these kids. So I think that that is part of it. I, I love it when they notice something is beautiful. I remember we finished a piece one time in, in the auditorium and we finished it and it was a very soft piece where the, I was trying to make them fade out, which is a hard task right? because you have to have real bow control. You have to have a lot of maturity to understand that. Yeah. And they faded out and just as they faded out, a huge 
rainstorm came and was hitting the roof. Oh, wow. And they were all like, oh, cool. Like, because it, it was so beautifully timed. Yeah. And to see them recognize that beauty. Uh-huh. And I think that brings an automatic closeness is when you're trying to teach something like that. There's a lot of individual instruction involved in music. It's not something that's learned well in large groups. You have to pull them aside. I'm always pulling somebody aside during a consultation. So you need to come in and play that for me because that was bad and we both know it. Let's fix this together. That's my philosophy. And I think that sometimes kids who might be worried about something academically may not raise their hand in class. And in a music situation, they're part of a huge group of people all aiming towards the exact same thing rather than an individual grade. And I think that helps them be a little bit more open. Do you find that boys respond well to being called out? I don't do it in front of the whole class. Sometimes I do. If it's really obvious, so like I've told you, you're on the wrong bow, you're not listening, yeah. gotta look. Um, I try to do it when it's very fair. I think most of them want to learn how to play it correctly. It's no fun to sit in an orchestra and not be able to play your part. That is not in the least bit fun. So I think one of them, you know, one of them I said to you yesterday in the class, I was just like, if you just move your bow on every first beat, that's all I need, but you've got to try and you will have a lot more fun. It was accepted that that was a whole lot more fun rather than looking around and trying to pretend that he knew what was going on, right? It's not calling out, it's almost calling in, I think. Like, do you want to be a part of this? It's right, an, cool. it's an yeah. ensemble. It's yep. not you individually. You need to do your part, it's teamwork. Yeah. You're letting down the people around you by not Get trying to jump here. in, yeah. yeah. Do you find the boys coach each other much? Yeah. I see that a lot, and I sometimes I assign them to do so. You know, uh-huh. like I'll take a stronger player or an upperclassman and say, "You, you go sit sit back there with him mm-hmm. and help him for rehearsal." Mm-hmm. In fact, I just put that in a recommendation letter about Alan Bumby, hmm. who struggled his first year playing the violin, and then we had a, a student who was really looked clearly overwhelmed in rehearsal, and I asked Alan, "So would you go back and sit with him?" Mm-hmm. And also, you talk about a best day at Woodbury. I'm up there conducting, and I look back, and I see Alan sweetly like pointing to the notes and taking his arm and showing him how to do it. And mm-hmm. you're just like, gosh, I live for those moments. Mm-hmm. right? Really beautiful to see them helping each other. That's, That's really neat. the magic of this beginning strings class, too. They yeah. are so in it. They're like, let's lock this down. Let's yeah. come down tonight and practice together. Yeah. They're so into it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Lisa, do you have a question you might want to ask me? Yeah, when's your next cello lesson? <laughs> <laughs> I so wish I'd, I'd, I get that question on occasion. You know, do you have what regrets do you have about your Woodbury experience? And yeah. I, I wish that I had taken up, you know, a, a, an instrument when I came to Woodbury. Um, so I have to live through your crew and through the experiences of, of, of your boys. Well, and, one of my old schools, I used to teach at the Calhoun School in New yeah. York City. They had a faculty beginner orchestra for those who wanted to do it. Isn't that cool? Wow. And what they did, I taught it, and what they did is at the end of the year, they played with their kids. Oh. Which was awesome. Like the third grade teacher came out with his cello and his kids were all like, yay. (laughs) Door's always open. The door is open. (laughs) One of my favorite Woodbury alumni is a guy named Hooper Hardison who graduated in 1979. And we were on a Zoom call the other day and he said, I've got to drop at 4.30 or something, but I've got my my piano lesson, and I did not know he played the piano. I said, tell me more about that. And he said that um, a number of years ago, his daughter asked if she could start playing the piano. And he said, yes, on one condition that I, that I learn with you. Yeah. 
And he's stuck with it. And every week, every 10 days or so, a week to 10 days, two weeks at the most, his, his uh, coach comes by essentially and, and they have a private lesson. It's, Hooper's have- a very accomplished businessman. And for him to take that kind of time to learn the piano at, at his age is an inspiration. It's really cool. And it's, I, I'm teaching now a, an adult student and he was a higher muckety-muck in the fundraising world at James Madison University. And he's so funny because he'll stop and he'll stomp his feet. He's like, this is hard. This is really hard. I knew it would be hard. I didn't know it would be this hard. But he's always wanted to learn how to play. And he's learning how to play in his retirement. Lisa, what have I not asked you that I should have asked you about Woodbury, about your experience here, about anything you might want to share with, with, uh, with our listeners about the school, about the community, about or anything that may be on your mind. I just have one funny story because it shows really um, sometimes people ask me, especially my musician colleagues, they're like, what's it like to teach in an all boys school? Like what in the world? And I say, you know, they're very sweet and they're very funny and they're very silly sometimes and very annoying sometimes. But for the most part, I I love them to pieces. Um, Several years ago, I think this is even before your time, I had slipped on the ice in my driveway at home and really hurt my back, like hurt it badly. Yeah. And I missed a day of school. I came back and I was moving really slowly yeah. and I just was in a lot of pain. And a couple of the boys after orchestra said, well, you should go down and see our athletic training staff. Uh-huh. And I said, oh, yeah, I said, that's probably a good idea. I said, I, I, I can't get there but that's a good idea. Maybe I'll think about that. And I meant I can't get there, meaning I didn't have time. Like I had something else I had to get to. And um, I heard all this rumbling out in the hallway and they came back in. They took it to that, that I couldn't walk down there. So they came in and they stood and they said, we'll carry you. (laughs) And they're like, you know, we'll help you get over there. Like, you know, if you don't think you can walk, we will carry you. It was very sweet of them. And it was so incredibly sweet. And that's what I try to tell people here. Like, it's not what you think. These kids are really, they've got such good hearts. Yeah. And it can be sometimes funny when you see that that heart. And I I couldn't stop laughing, which hurt also my back. But I was like, that won't be necessary, gentlemen, but thank you. (laughs) Well, they mean, most of them, most of the time, mean well. Yes, they do. And they do, they they are generally, again, most of the time, kind-hearted. And I'm sure you see that in different kinds of ways. Yes, and that's why I came here thinking this was going to be, you know, a three to five year year job. And that's why I stayed, is moments like that, where I'm just, you know, it's just so heartbreakingly sweet sometimes that I just, I love it. You're a force on the faculty for for good here. And so we're grateful to you for... Not only your time here on the show today, but most especially for all the years you've poured into Woodbury and to our music program and to just life generally here here at Woodbury. Lisa Wright is a star. And uh, Lisa, before we part ways here, uh, just a couple of rapid fire questions that we hope you might give a little thought to. Your favorite meal in the dining hall? Chicken wings. Why? (laughs) They, well, the dining hall in general, they do such a good job. They are such... They are amazing, and the chicken wings are perfect. And I wore stretchy pants today because they are on the menu, wow. and I plan to eat them. Well, you look you look ahead on the on <laughs> the menu. Did. I circle chicken wing day. So chicken wings today, <laughs> excellent. I think so. Yeah. Outstanding. In your lifetime, your favorite teacher? Gosh, I have a lot of favorite teachers. I think the teacher that probably 
really turned my life around was a teacher named Alan Harris, a very famous cello teacher who was singularly the most kind and the most sarcastic teacher I've ever had in my life. Really, really helped me with a lot of terrible tension and repetitive use injury problems. I would not still be playing today if it wasn't for him. Wow. By the way, how is someone both kind and sarcastic in the, in the, in the best he kind of way? He would just say the funniest things. Like, uh -huh. I asked him to play a specific piece, and we were really working hard on some cleaning up some of my technique, and he said, well, sweetie, that would really like be like putting lipstick on a pig right now. We've got other things we got to do first. Yeah. <laughs> and then hugged me on my way out, you know, patted me on the back. He meant it in the kindest of ways, but he had a really great sense of humor about stuff, and I always appreciated that. You've given us a couple of funny memories about Woodbury. Does anything else come to mind that you would like to like to share? Last story real quick, and this is yeah. kind of with what we've been talking about, the way how the boys are so kind when it comes down to it. Um, years ago, there were two violinists in my orchestra that had both applied to a very, very competitive Ivy school, and one got in and one didn't. Uh -huh. And the one that got in walked in when on that day where everybody's wearing their sweatshirts from those schools, walked in with his competitive school sweatshirt and realized his friend had not gotten in, mm. and he quickly turned around and went back out in the hallway to take his sweatshirt off mm. because he was trying to look after his friend. Yeah. So the friend That's... that did not get in promptly got up and went out in the hallway, and I overheard the conversation where he said, please put your sweatshirt back on. You deserve it. You got oh. in. I'm so happy for you. And they walked into my classroom arm in arm. It's awesome. That's the magic of Woodbury That's... right there. That's a great memory. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for being on the podcast, and uh, thank you again for all you do for Woodbury Forest. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Woodbury Podcast. We hope you found our discussion insightful and engaging. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing, rating, or leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. Stay tuned for more conversations in the future, and remember, the conversation doesn't have to end here. Connect with us on Woodbury Forest School social media, reach out with your questions or comments, and let's keep the dialogue going. Until next time, take care and go Tigers!